I, I just I don't see how that's related to urine. Uh, urine. Whoa, urine. <laughs> <on. laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to the Glass Candle Podcast, where we look at what is, what could be, and what will come in A Song of Ice and Fire. My name is Eric. And I'm Lillian, and we admin over at the A Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones Discussions and Theories Facebook group. You can find us by searching ASOIAF slash GOT Discussions and Theories. And today we continue on with number four from A Clash of Kings. This is the uh, very famous House of the Undying massive trippy vision chapter and uh, we're gonna jump right in and that'll be the main bulk of our discussion today as always with the show we're gonna give a brief chapter summary we'll discuss who the main character is who held the biggest influence over the main character and why any alternative actions the character could have taken uh, how the events of this chapter affects the other plots going forward we'll pick an alternative point of view and then standout appearances and theories. Except we won't do any of that pretty much today. A lot of this is going to just circle around the visions and hallucinations and prophecies and stuff that Daenerys kind of walks through and sees in this house. Uh, a lot of our questions can be more or less answered by talking about those. Is that about right? Yes. I even say that in my summary, basically. So Lillian's going to go ahead with the summary today. So hand it off to you. The chapter opens with Danny and company arriving at Voldemort's associate office, aka the House of the Undying. Her blood riders, Zarozo and Daxos, and Jorah all advise her not to go, which means it's a great idea. Pyat Pri gives Danny strict directions to take the rightmost doors and to go up, up any stairs. Cool, that should be easy enough. He then has Danny drink Shade of the Evening, and it tastes like a bunch of random stuff, including gold, blood, and most importantly, Drogo's come. Danny finally heads in and follows Pyatt's directions for the most part. She enters rooms on the right, but peeks through some other doors and sees some disturbing shit that we will go over in detail in probably about five to ten minutes. She finally makes it to the Chamber of the Undying, and they're super scary. They whisper cryptic messages while never looking at her. Danny has some weird visions, and when she comes to, the Undying are fondling, molesting, licking... And biting her. It's really weird shit. But then... <laughs> okay. But then Drogon swoops in to save the day. He destroys the heart of the Undying and Danny escapes. She makes it out while the house burns and is attacked by a tap-dancing Pyat Pri. The chapter closes with Jorah taking advantage of her frightened state and placing his arm around her. Did I miss anything? Did you dig into the, the follow-up chapter? follow-up chapter. Because mine, mine ends with she snaps out and they're all there. And then the chapter ends. Seriously? Yeah. Mine ends with Pyatt attacking her. You don't have that? Let me, uh, let me pull let me pull this up. It's only like three paragraphs, maybe. A mouth to center with one eye, licking, sucking, biting. And then Oh. Well, that's... <laughs> I 
So, I don't know. Fuck, you can't see that. No, I can't. But there's, like, a whole freaking... No, you can't see shit. It's just bright white. But there's, like, two-thirds of the page is just white. So I was like, oh, there, there's the end. But the next page is a, a the, the picture of, like, the weird demon things, and then it, it keeps going, and then I didn't even read the whole chapter. <laughs> Do you need a couple minutes? Nope. I don't think anything important happens there. It's, the dragon sets everything on fire and kills everybody. But it seemed like a decent way to end it. Like, she snapped up and everybody's, like, groping her and biting and sucking on her. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. They're biting her eye. That's yeah. fucking disturbing and gross. It's really gross. Oh, I didn't even read the whole fucking chapter. Uh, that's pretty much the gist of it. Uh, like Lillian said, the detail of the visions... Uh, the pretty much the, the main focus of what we talk about today. We'll dig into those details coming up soon. So the main character of the chapter is our first point, and clearly it's Danny on this one, right? Yes, I completely agree, because there's nobody else really in the chapter. Well, there's things in the right. chapter. There's no one. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly the main focus is Danny and what she sees. That one's easy, over, and done. Uh, who had the biggest influence over the main character and why? Um, again, this is a pretty straightforward. The visions that hold the biggest influence over because it projects all the way through to a dance with dragons. And then if you want to look at who led her to the visions, it's Piet Pri and uh, Thea Dying. Say his name right? again? Piet Pri? Um, no, Piet yeah. Pri, whatever. I agree. I just had the House of the Undying. I kind of lumped them together since I don't know how much um, influence he has in the house and what exactly it does, if that makes sense. Like if he just I think we talked about this last time, if he just works for them because he's not an Undying, right? Correct. So I don't know how much. Well, I guess you could count it as influence since he biggest influence is Shade of the Evening. I changed my answer. Oh, well, yeah, true. Because if she doesn't drink um, that, we don't. is she still going to see the trippy shit in the house? Yeah, Pre leads us to believe that she won't, that she needs to drink it for that. Uh, I included him because her whole reason for going to the building was to get help from him. And then he leads her in and gives her the instruction. Always takes the door to the right and always goes up the stairs. So... Is he, like, not allowed in the but house? But basically, it's... I don't know. I don't think anybody has any idea how the, the rules of of the house go, or of the Undying, or what role the warlocks play in them. Because the warlocks eventually jump out and try to go get her, right? So. Just, just Pi. The Undying or are... Wait, the un are the Undying warlocks... What the fuck are they? I don't know what they are. So confused. I don't know. But the warlocks go out to try to get Danny. That's true. That's fact. That's canon. Because you're on capture zone. Yes. In later books, yes. Right. So after this all happens, the warlocks go out and they try to get him. Not the Undying, because Danny burns the Undying. So the warlocks go Capri and his buddies. Yes. If he doesn't live in the house of the... Where do they live? And they might live there. Okay, I don't sorry. know. Like, so the whole situation really regarding up. it is, it's it's unclear, it's unspecified. So, 
And we'll never know. So we Maybe can just make up whatever we back. want. Might be the actual leader. Undying, serve the warlocks. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so we move on to... I forget what our normal answer or question is. Alternative, knowing how the future plays out. Ah, right. Yeah, knowing how the future plays out, what should Danny have done differently to avoid that result? I got nothing. I suppose she does overthink a lot of the prophecies and stuff like that, and it makes her... um, I don't think it makes her paranoid. A lot of people say the the visions and everything kind of get her distrustful of everyone, and... That's completely not the case at all because she seems to trust a lot of people as she goes forward. But it is always in the back of her head. So if she didn't, then she wouldn't have that nagging feeling in the back. It'd just be just all that bullshit that Quaid says to her without the undying. So I guess, maybe, but it'd be a lot less interesting. So then what are you saying? That she shouldn't have gone to the house of the undying? Yeah, that's the only other alternative action that I could think of. Okay. Again, which would be Pretty dumb and boring and pointless. Because this is the best part of her Clash of Kings arc. Because otherwise it's right. fucking boring as shit. Yeah, nothing fucking happens. <clears throat> so how do uh, the events of this chapter affect the other plots? We're dropping Little Bitch for this one. I think for obvious reasons, a lot of these prophecies affect or refer to other people that seem to come into this. But we'll touch on those whenever we get to theories in more detail. Next up is alternative point of view, and I think this is pretty easy to be none. Danny is the only person that we could look through with this. I or did have you pick Drogon. I picked Drogon. <laughs> <laughs> I like animals. So my annotations. Oh, my off. annotations. It says that George R. R. Martin has stated that dragons think differently than humans. I don't believe you. You don't believe me that my annotation says this? Yes, I think you're making it up. Martin has remarked that dragons are intelligent but speechless. He has compared their mental processes to an alien intelligence, suggesting that the dragon process things differently from humans. Okay, so that doesn't mean I can't use them as a POV. Sure, it'd just be entirely different. And also, Drogon didn't even drink the Shade of the Evening. He but didn't. he was still able to react to the yes, stuff. Yes, he... He seemed like he heard, like, the rats or whatever moving through the walls, and he knew to chip at the door that she wasn't in the right room. So he had a sense of what was going on. React to the visions at all. So he just probably saw, like, some dank, moldy-ass, weird castle thing the whole time. Mm. He reacted to the rats, but that was kind of before the shade kicked in, I think. Or uh, it was before Danny saw anything. There was shit. I didn't write the exact thing it's... down, but in one of them, it's hard in one to tell of the rooms. Screeching at. All right, fine. I'll give you that. Nah. I still pick the dragon. Uh, next up is quotes, but the quotes is going to be all the visions and theories and stuff that uh, that we'll talk about in theories. How do you not and have any quotes to... outside of those? Because they're the only things worth mentioning. Oh, no, I did text you, right? Um, there's one part of one vision where Danny walks into the, the room um, with all the magicians and shit, and she sees the perfect tit. Did you text and me I was about like, that? Oh, nice. Yeah, pretty I'm pretty sure, sure you. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Yeah, well, check your history after the episode. But, 
yeah, Danny sees a perfect hit, and I was like, oh, cool, thanks. Uh, but you actually had quotes, right? Yeah, I do. That aren't the visions. That aren't the visions. All right, yeah, go ahead. All right, so when Danny first gets there with everybody, Jogo's trying to get keep her from going. Jorah's trying to keep her from going. Zaro's trying to keep her from going. Um, and I think Zaro is the one that says it specifically. Warlocks are bitter creatures who eat dust and drink of shadows. And so that just made me think, are they related to shadow binders in some sense? If they drink of shadows, does that mean they could take the powers of a shadow binder? No, I don't think so at all. Okay, fine. Because Quaith is a shadow binder. Yes. But obviously um, her and, and Pyatt aren't on the same team. Right, I don't think so. I think Zaro's just talking in metaphor where he says they drink the stuff of shadows because he's just always putting them down as dusty and living in this bullshit shitty ass little castle and he has this awesome fucking palace he also has a pleasure barge which awaits turn away from this folly most stubborn of queens i have flutus who will soothe your troubled soul with sweet music and a small girl whose tongue will make you sigh and melt what the fuck small girl that's why why she could just be short of height like a midget no just Short. Okay, but she's still calling her a girl, not like a small woman. You, you could be just... <laughs> Go figure, I'm the Zaro apologist on this episode. Right? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, Zaro's a fucking creep. Fucking weirdo. Alright. Which is weird. Like, I guess this turns back our uh, previous theory where Zaro is gay because he has pretty boys in his castle. Apparently he also has pretty little girls, so he's just—he's got the uh, the Deadpool thing where he, he just fucks anything. Pansexual. Pansexual, yeah. Or yeah. bi, I guess. But Zaro seems like he'd be down to fuck a goat. Yeah, I was about to say he was talking very reverently about the oxes pulling <laughs> the carriage uh, last last chapter, so. All right. Do we want to talk about all the things that Danny tasted? Um, it, t- it tasted like a lot of stuff, but cum stood out to me. So, to put it bluntly, I guess. <laughs> uh, da, da, da. Spreading through her chest, the fingers of fire coiling around her heart. Her tongue was taste like honey and anise and cream, like mother's milk and Drogo's seed, like red meat and hot blood and mol- molten gold. How do you know what some of these things taste like? I don't know. I guess it's just a... A feeling? Yeah, like, this is what I imagine molted gold tastes like. It's fucking weird. But it is, uh, jumping way far ahead, when Arya's in the, um... The, House in Black and White. The Hotel of Black and White, she drinks a thing that tastes like shit at first, and then it starts tasting like all these familiar stuff that she really likes. Are you talking about the candle? Yeah, that's what it is. Candle. It smells. Jojen paste tastes like shit and then tastes better. Arya has the candle. That's wrong. Arya doesn't do anything like that. Bran does. Arya Arya has a candle that changes smells and reminds her of home. Bran eats Jojen paste, which tastes gross, and then it tastes. It reminds him of his mother. Okay, so I'm half right. So you got Danny tastes the thing that tastes like shit, but then is like, oh, actually, this is really good. Bran eats some shit, 
and he's like, this is gross. Oh, actually, it tastes really good. And then Argus smells some shit, and he's like, oh, that, oh hey, cool. <laughs> yes. So it's just interesting how it's all knotted up together. And the interesting about that, too, is the the shade of the evening trees, Yes. they're almost like a direct inverse of the weirwood trees. The counterpart of the weirwood, yeah, yes. The black bark and blue leaves compared to the white bark and the red leaves. So. Yep. Interesting, I guess, but... I'm not the kind of theorist that can make nope. ideas based on that. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's weird. I guess they're the same, kind of, or the opposite. Okay. So, who knows? All right, another one I wanted to point out. So, this is... Before you jump, God, we, know, we know the, the dead tree elves, the ghosts, lived in the weirwoods. Is there some kind of, like, inverse ghost that lives in um, Shade of Evening Trees? Do you think that's what it's uh, supposed to, to mean or signify or something? I'm just trying to remember what the name of the trees are right now. Uh, uh, the evening trees. No, they have a name. Sure, I'll look it up. It is. It's not in this one. Um, I Black don't know. Black trees, inky blue leaves. Maybe the, not the Jogos Night. There was the Iroquois? Iroquois? There was a mythical little people in Essos. Were they the Iroquois tree? Iroquois is an actual Indian tribe. Yeah, I know that wasn't or the right. Native American. Excuse me. I grew up on a reservation. <laughs> I. Um. That's why I knew it wasn't the right word. There's one that starts with an I, and it's like little tree people. I believe they've gone extinct, but there are theories that they were related to the children. Oh, yeah, the associate children of the forest trios things. Do you know what I'm talking about, or are you just fucking around? No, no, I vaguely remember, but I don't give a shit about the associate history, really. Or legends or myths and stuff, so I don't really remember what they're called. But I do remember reading about them once and being like, oh, okay, cool. Okay, well, you asked what the fuck is in their trees, and that's what I'm saying is in their trees, because they're the counterpart of the children. Got it. All right. Nice. Anyways. Um... Are they evil? Well, if the children are bad, then their opposite would be good. <laughs> Shade of the evening trees are good guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> It'll flip everything on its head. No, actually, they're probably all just a bunch of evil shitheads. Because they're all, there is no good guys. They're all out for themselves and build up these gods that don't exist for purposes that are just selfish and... Yeah, like in, this, yeah. in the, the name of species preservation... They do bad shit, probably. This is what the children of the forest do. They're creepy little fucks. Okay, so anyway. while Danny is inside the house of the undying, when she gets lost and she is, um, this is when Drogon hears all the rats and the rustling and stuff. She says, could there be a secret door, a door I cannot see? Another torch went out, another. The first door on the right, he said, always the first door on the right. The first door on the right. It came to her suddenly. Is the last door on the left? I would have never gotten that. Oh, yeah, no. I'd have been fucked. Like, even when I read it now, I try to visualize it. And I'm just like, the first door on the right. Like, I mean, I can, I can see how she would find her way to it. She turns around and looks at the hallway. And then the first door on her right would be the last door on the left. I guess. I don't know, but I thought that was really smart of her, and I totally wouldn't have gotten that at all. 
new theory. Daenerys is smart. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, I just broke our entire group to shreds. <laughs> All right, I just have one more. Um, okay, so when she, after she sees the fake Pyatt who turns into a worm, she says, finally the stair opened. To her right, a set of wide wooden doors had been thrown open. They were fashioned of ebony and weirwood, house of the black and white, the black and white grains swirling and twisting in strange interwoven patterns. They were very beautiful, yet somehow frightening. The blood of the dragon must not be afraid. Danny said a quick prayer, begging the warrior for courage and the Dorth, Dorth, Dothraki horse god for strength. The Dorthraki horse. Yeah. <laughs> so she prayed to the warrior. Have we ever known her to like worship the seven? Not really. So that just kind of stood out to me because I don't remember her ever thinking about any any gods, really. I know we learn um, through her that the Dothraki kind of raid other places and take the statues of their gods. But I don't remember anything about her actually worshipping something. Yeah, no, I don't think it's ever written explicitly in the text. But she was raised in quote-unquote bravos and grew up and spent a lot of time in pentos and mir and all that stuff which is the kind of side of the world that the seven originated from Andalus. You know? Mm-hmm. so it makes sense that the free cities at least those that northern half area kind of follow that religion obviously when you get down to Mir and, and Lies and everything like that, you kind of get more of a mixed population with Relorism due to... Well, Bravos has everything, True, because Bravos was like the secret haven, but with Andalus being so close to Pentos and Pentos being like a real, actual city as opposed to Bravos being a massive seaport where all kinds of people integrate and everything like that, um, I'm not too surprised that Danny was raised in a Faith of the Seven sort of household, you know? So it didn't quite stand out to me. I was just like, oh, okay. I wonder, I wonder if there's streams. anything that, like, says anything about the religions of Pentos. I don't believe there is. Um, I I can't recall if it's written in the world book or not. Okay, I mean, it doesn't on. say anything about Pentos' tax policy either, so. Nobody would care about that except for me and... One other person. Two other but people. But apparently, apparently it's it's enough to criticize Lord of the Rings over. Oh my god, if I could talk to Preston about economics of Westeros, that would be amazing. You wouldn't know anything. It would be all just speculation because... It doesn't matter. He has Lord a, he has a degree in economics. It... Sure. I'm not saying he doesn't or anything about that, but you'd all just be doing guesswork and theories because... George R. R. Martin doesn't write tax policies. He doesn't write tax policies, but based off of the trade of the free cities, it, not necessarily tax, but you can tell the economic environment on capitalism versus um, consumerism and free trade and a bunch of other shit that I've had this discussion before and I, I don't want to think right now. But wouldn't you just be extrapolating all that kind of stuff? Okay, and what else are theories? It's the same fucking shit. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it'd be, you'd be having the same kind of conversation like you do about theories. There's nothing in there to really dig into, is there? 
it'll all just be guesswork. Like, what what is the main trait export of Pentos? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Bravos, you know, it's not wood, but like, yeah. what else do you got? You know, so it's. I don't know. That's that's just always a, a hilarious little gripe that I found George R. R. Martin complaining about talking about. Sarah Gorge tax policy. But she didn't write tax policies either. Shut up. Maybe it's going to be in an appendix to his book. I don't know. <laughs> that's Winds of Winter. That's what's taking it so long. He's writing tax policies of Dorn. <laughs> and their trade agreements with Old Town. Even no, though... Dorn, Dorn would have a free trade policy. Oh, would they? Doran would have a free trade policy, yes. And Westeros wouldn't? The... <laughs> okay, I don't want to get into this right now. <laughs> okay, so standout appearances, is that what we're on? Yeah. Is that what we were talking about? Uh, I was done with quotes, so yes, we are on standout. Um, oh, fuck, I can't remember if the perfect tip was my standout or my quote. I am so, like, I don't want to say 100%. But I'm like 95% sure you did not text me anything about a perfect tit. You text me about Viserys and Rhaegar, but nothing about a perfect tit. It came right after that. Um, yeah, so I sent the suggestion that we sent, like, that we discussed, like, what our standout vision was. And that'll kind of lead us into theories. You did? Yeah, like, before we started recording. That's what I <laughs> mentioned to you when you weren't <laughs> fucking paying attention to me. I thought you meant when we were talking about the tit. Wait, but I have an actual standout before that. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> I'll give you one guess on what it is. Danny? D Dragon the Drogon? Drogon. <laughs> Drogon, because he's the perfect protective child. Oh, right, because I didn't read the end of the chapter. Anyway, so my standout theory, or standout vision, I guess, to lead us into theories, is was the, uh, the Rhaegar vision. Um, pretty much for the sole purpose that that's my go-to uh, Rhaegar plus Lyanna equals Daenerys, um, you know, quote-unquote backup evidence or whatever. It's the whole part where Rhaegar looks at her and is just like, it's got to be one more, stares intensely at Danny. I've got like five different things for that when yeah. we get to the visions. So that kind of leads us into theories where we're going wait, to talk about the vision. Wait, wait, what about my standout, you fucking asshole? You said it was Drogon the dragon. No, my standout was Drogon, but if you want to talk about standout vision. Oh, okay. Because cool. I had two Fair things enough. written down. I didn't know you had something prepared since you weren't listening to me when I suggested it. Half the time I'm not listening to you. I thought it was one of those halves. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, so my standout was Rago because he would have been a shit person. He's terrifying. Interesting. We can counter argument. That. Counter argument. So, and this kind of ties into the um, uh, daughter of death sort of thing that that gets mentioned in here. I have so many things. But what what Danny does there with sacking these cities is exactly what Rego was supposed to do, quote unquote. Rego was probably like Savers Bay was probably going to be number one in his target. Well, number two after... Karth. Um, I was going to say the, the Lazarine village. The the sheep people. They're an, easy, they're an easy hit, though. Like, Dro yeah, no, Drogo... Like, 
technically, I guess they'd be first. But Drogo's, like, dream, quote-unquote, or whatever, was to always get the milkmen. He would want to take Karth. True. But what I'm saying is what Danny does in Slaver's Bay is almost exactly what Rhaegar would have done. So he would have freed slaves, and then he would have pushed across and probably freed slaves in Karth, freed slaves in Volantis. I assume they have slaves in Cahor. It's one probably, of Valyria's children, so I don't see why not. I mean, uh, everywhere in Isis except for Bravas has slaves, so I assume Cahor and all those other places. So he'd have been, he'd have been uh, Rego the Liberator, the stallion who fucks the world. A lot of people would die too, but I don't think it's necessarily him being a bad person. Okay. Except for the Lazarine village that he would kill. I don't so, agree with you. Whatever. Oh yeah, perfect tit. Boom, Eric's right. I'm glad. Right. I'm glad I didn't bet on that because I almost wanted to bet on it. End podcast. <laughs> Run the theory. So I listed a bunch of them out and wrote a lot of shit. I wrote every single vision out. Well, not out, but like what the vision was and then what I thought of each one. Do we want to read the actual paragraph or? How are oh, we doing uh, this? You can write or read the individual paragraph. So, okay. uh, how about that? I'll I'll say the title of it, and then you can read the actual thing, and then I'll read my notes. You read your notes. Okay. But I have notes in like three different areas. All right. So the first one that she sees, I think, is the uh, the woman with the dwarves, right? Yes, it is. All right. So what does that one say? I gotta find it. Hold on. <laughs> oh my god. Thought we were ready. This is gonna be long if you actually read the whole paragraph of each one. I don't. Hold on. The mold-eaten carpet. In one room, a beautiful woman sprawled naked on the floor while four little men crawled over her. They had radish pointed faces and tiny pink hands, like the servitor who had brought her the glass of shade. One was pumping between her thighs, another savaged her breasts, worrying at the nipples with his wet red mouth, tearing and chewing. They're, the thought of their little hands really freaks me out. <laughs> it it just does. That's not the thing that, that weirded me out. It's the whole <laughs> five little dwarves fucking this person. Oh, but it's so easy for what it means, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so the accepted translation of this is the woman is Westeros and the little dwarves are the four kings. Yes. And then you can swap out the fourth one. Or, you know, Stannis, Rob, Joffrey, and then you can swap out Renly or um, Balon. Balon, which however way you want to, to to splice it. Based on the timing of when she's in the House of the Undying. Right. Opposed so, to when people died. And I started categorizing these as real or fake, which mm -hmm. pretty much most of these are real anyway. Um, and I guess this correlates to the present time. It's not a past vision. It's not a future vision. It's a current timeline sort of thing. I agree. So that one was easy. Smarter people than us did that work. Uh, so the next up is the Feast of Corpses. Yes. So farther on, she came upon a Feast of Corpses. Savagely slaughtered, the feasters lay strewn across overturned Overturned chairs and hacked trestle tables, a sprawl in pools of congealing blood. Some had lost limbs, even heads. Severed hands clutched bloody cups, wooden spoons, roast fowl, heels of bread, and heels of bread. There's no and there. There should be an and there. 
In a throne above them sat a dead man with the head of a wolf. He wore an iron crown and held a leg of lamb in one hand as a king might hold a scepter, and his eyes followed Danny with mute appeal. Red Wedding. So this, duh. yeah, this definitely the Red Wedding. Um, I think the whole wolf on wolf head on a body gives it away. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe just a little bit. So we know from having read Storm of Swords already, spoiler alert, that this is real. Yes. And it is a future vision. Anything else to say about that? I just thought it was... Uh, when When is... So this is happening in Clash. Correct. But Storm opens um, with a note from George that even though things are happening, you know, they're, they're not necessarily happening chronologically. So the timeline's a little all over the place. So... We're assuming this happened before the Red Wedding, and I'm relatively sure it's before the Red Wedding. Me too. Um, but just trying to figure out the timing of her vision and then the Ghost of High Heart's vision of the Red Wedding, and then when the Red Wedding actually happened would be interesting. Well, I think the High Heart and Daenerys here are both before it. Yes, they both are. Um, so that's two back-to-back that we have real visions that kind of demonstrates that this isn't just a giant mind trick that they're playing on her. Uh, So the next one I think is the House of the Red Door, right? Yes. Oh lord, this is a lot to read. She remembered those great wooden beams. You don't need to read the whole thing, just Alright, fine. Um, And there outside the window, a lemon tree. The sight of it made her heart ache, ache with longing. It was the house with the red door, the house in Bravos. And then Willem Derry comes out and tries to get her to go to him. And then she says, um, he's dead, he's dead, the sweet old bear. He died a long time ago. And she backed away and ran. So this is kind of a real vision. It's a, an accurate representation of her house that she remembers. The Willem Derry telling her to come in is obviously the fake part, but this is a, quote, real vision as much as the last two were. And it's a past vision. Past vision, yes. Um, so that's three for three that are real. Well, it's just, do you want to bring up that it's up for debate on whether or not she's correct about her vision? Or she could probably be correct, but there's nothing about that vision that suggests it's in Bravos, and it, there's also nothing in the vision that suggests it's not in Bravos. Well, she says in Bravos. Right, that's just what she remembers it being, though. That's what I'm saying, she it's... could be wrong. Well, yeah, but the the point of the vision isn't to show her that she was in Bravos. It was to show her the house with the red door. Okay, and or then the room. I have a question, though, too, on it. Okay. So, she refers to Willem Derry as the old bear. Like, why is he... Why did she call him her old bear? He was big and hairy, like a bear. Okay, well, it's just like I don't him... think there's any kind of correlation with a Mormon if you're going in that direction. I was going to say, so if that's her old bear, since I'm doing Storm of Swords at the same time with the reread group, John just asks about the old bear's death. So, like, is she supposed to parallel John and their old bears, like, raise them? That's stupid, huh? I don't see how it would work because Ned raised John. Ned raised not... John, but Mormont kind of shaped him as a teenage. Like, in the short amount of time that they were together, Mormont 
kind of shaped him from the edgy teenager that he was into someone who was fit for command. Right, but with that, if if it was supposed to be a parallel, then that would mean that Willem Derry shaped Danny in some similar way, and he didn't. Fine. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I just I thought it was weird. The the like, I don't know, just calling him old bear. Like, I mean, I I suppose at the baseline, like, there's two father figures that John and Daenerys both had that they both refer to as old bears. But as far as their role in their lives, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, tenuous. Sure, but I don't think it's, it's just in my opinion, I don't think it's a significant parallel. Okie dokie. Uh, next up is Ares. Yes, so Ares, she basically sees, um, is it the Great Hall? Is that what it's called? The throne room? The throne room, thank you. The throne room of the Red Keep where the dragon skulls are hanging down, and she's I don't know if she knows it's her father, though, because she doesn't say anything about it. She just calls him old man. Um, and he says, let him be king over charred bones and cooked meat. Let him be king of the ashes. And we know that that is Ares. But she never says anything here about it being her father. Right. Uh, it's definitely Ares. And that um, definitely happened. Yes, yeah, definitely happened. We have that verified by um, Jamie. By Jamie. Mm-hmm. Does, does Barrison verify that either? I don't think so. Jamie's, but Jamie definitely does. Jamie, in his chapter, says word for word, let him be the king of ashes and all that stuff. Right. So that's another real vision, hallucination, whatever you want to call it. And it's another past one. So that's that's four straight that I think establish that this isn't just a load of bullshit and that the prophecies and like the visions that we're seeing actually mean something. kind of adds weight and um, importance to everything else that we're going to see coming up, right? Yes. My dog's ma- my dog is making noise. So sorry, but yes, oh. I, I I agree. They've been because we know the red wedding does happen. We know that these are these are true things. Well, yeah, I mean, and not just with the red wedding. Like we had four straight, and I think that's if if I'm going to go meta on it, I think that's the author trying to establish credibility like with what's going to happen in this chapter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because he could have kind of thrown these around in a different order. Yeah, I I get it. Right. And the 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 Jamie quote about the the heiress thing that happens past or after this chapter, correct? Jamie doesn't have a POV until Storm. Right. But he doesn't say this to Catelyn in the last chapter, does he? I don't believe so. I know we did that chapter, but that was weeks ago. I just did a Jamie chapter, and I'm relatively sure that it was in it in Storm of Swords. Okay, so the, so at least two of them happen in Storm, or are yeah, confirmed two of them in Storm after this chapter occurs, and then the House with the Red Door and the Westeros, the the woman dwarf gangbang, oh. is just stuff that, that we can infer, but. I think it's definitely establishing from a, a writer and, and reader perspective that this is stuff is not just to be tossed off. And then the next one up is the Rhaegar vision. Yes. Um, okay, so she... <laughs> this is where you had an issue. She sees a man and thinks it's Viserys, but then decides that it's not him. Um, well, hold on. Because my, my issue 
issue with this is the way it's written. She sees the she sees Eris, and then Drogon shrieked, his claws digging through her silken skin, but the king on his throne never heard, and Danny moved on. Viserys was her first thought the next time she paused. Yeah, so she moved so, on, and the next time she paused, so the next right, door so she saw. When it doesn't say anything about the next door she saw. The way I read it, the second time through, it was like she sees the king on his throne, Drogon scratches her, and she's like, okay. And then Viserys, and then she paused. That's how I read it the second time. I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to be, but you said, no, I'm being stupid. And I was like, yes. well, I guess, but it doesn't say anything about her looking through another door. It's so implied can... that she, every time she's stopping or pausing, it's because she's looking into a room. Right, I understand that. But the way it was written here, she moved on and then she paused and thought Viserys. So... The next time... Okay, anyways, so she thought it was Viserys and decides that it's not Viserys. I don't think she ever says that it's Rhaegar. We just know that it's no. Rhaegar. Um, she sees the man that looks like her brother, and he's talking about his son named Aegon. What a better name! What better name for a king? Then the woman asks, "Will you make him a song?" And the man says, "He is the prince that was promised. His is the song of ice and fire." Dragon must have three heads. All of this stuff. So before we get to RLD, I just want to say George is on record confirming that it's Elia. It's not Liana. It's Elia in this vision. Right. It's Rhaegar and Elia. Yes. Okay. So now the dragon must have three heads. There must be one more, he said. Though whether he was speaking to her or the woman in bed, she, he could not say. Doesn't it say that he's, like, looking at her? Yeah, you skipped over that. It says, oh. he has a song, the man replied. Uh, he is the prince that was promised, and his is a song of ice and fire. He looked up when he said it, and his eyes met Danny's. It had seemed as if he saw her standing there beyond the door. There must be one more, he said. Though whether he was speaking to her or the woman in the bed, she could not say. The dragon has three heads. And then he played a harp. All right, so that in conjunction with a quote, I think, two Danny chapters earlier from Jorah, where he says there is more of Rhaegar in you, but even Rhaegar could be slain, blah, 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 blah. So that's one thing that adds to it. And then there's a couple other things in the Undying Visions that I have written down, which we can get to when we get there, um, that add to the whole RLD thing. My only issue when I started thinking about this, because I do buy into it, I like it. Part of the reason I like it is because he says the dragon must have three heads. So he's got Rhaenys and Aegon. So you would think if he's trying to recreate the conquest that he would need a Visenya, right? So he needs a girl. But then mm -hmm. I kind of talked myself out of that because Visenya was the eldest. So if that's what he was doing, shouldn't Rhaenys' name be Visenya? I mean, <laughs> that's a very nitpicky way to look at it, though, isn't it? Unless Rainies is Rainies because she's part Dornish and Rainies went missing in Dorn. Well, no, like I don't think he's like, oh, well, my first one has to be Visenya, and then my second one has to be this. I think he was just trying to recreate two girls and a guy. Yeah, but he like the 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 part that falls apart a little bit is that how convenient that he needed a second girl and then there's Danny, right? Like he needs a second girl and. It's not John because he needed a second girl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's a very convenient way to to, to figure this whole thing out. 
um, something you didn't mention that heavily put like in conjunction with this is I think it's in a Game of Thrones where she has a, a dream and she sees Rhaegar, but she lifts the helm, but it's her face instead. And it's instead. herself, yes. I couldn't remember where that was. I was trying to mark it right. in a book. Okay. So, Danny has a dragon dream, which we know are prophetic, and most of the time turn out to be 100% true. <laughs> most of the time, 100%. <laughs> um, and then here, Rhaegar is looking directly at her and saying, you know, there, there, must, be, there must be one more all this other stuff, and then the subtle hints in conversation, not from the character to character, but from the author to us, how Daenerys has more Rhaegar in her than Viserys, because, you know, one doesn't have, like, like, I don't have my brother's attributes because we're brothers. Like, my brother's kid would have my brother's attributes because, you know, father-son sort of type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't mimic how, like, your brother's siblings act well you're not getting your genetic material from your sibling exactly like you don't look at uh you know your your sister's kid and be like oh he has his aunt in him it's like no that's weird yes like, he's got a lot of his brother in her it's like that's a weird thing to say like oh like father's daughter and all that kind of sort of shit so okay Subversion lovers will be like, oh, that's the subversive of George R. Martin. Like, she's following her brother's footsteps instead of her dad. Oh, so cool, but I mean, come on. Well, Not everything is subversion for the sake of subversion. If that was the case, then Sam would be a secret Targaryen. Which there are theories <laughs> That Sam uh, is the real Aegon. Yeah, right? I saw that shit. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Holy God! Um, I think that's that's all of her uh, her visions in the the hallway, correct? Because then the lights start going out. And she panics. She sees um, Pyat Pri, and he tries to like, oh fuck, you're done already. And she's like, bullshit. And he turns into a worm. I don't think there's anything to dissect there, is there? No, I think we're good. And then she runs up the stairs into the party. Where she sees the perfect tit. For the wizard's room, yes. Yep, and everybody has pointed hats with stars on them. I thought that was so funny the first time I read it. I was like, that is... Is that what they really wear there? <laughs> it, it was, like, jarring. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's the... Ah, fuck. Mickey Mouse's hat from Fantasia. No, I was thinking the, the, the Great Hall from Harry Potter. I forget what it's actually called. If it's actually called the Great Hall or not. Because in Harry Potter, they were pointed wizards at stuff like that. I was like, oh, cool. Magic tales with food that just pops out of them. But I don't think there's anything to, to break down in there either. It was just a, a, a trick vision. That was a, a fake one. Yeah. Same with Pi But they tried to keep her there, though. Right. And then she gets to the the, the wizard's chamber, the, the, the anteroom or whatever it's called, where the corpses of the undying are sitting next to a uh, around a table with a floating enlarged beating heart. Right? Nothing else I miss? Yep, that's it. Um, 
They whisper dragons a bunch. Mother of dragons. All right, so mother of dragons, child of three. I had that. Pointed blue nipple, hard as leather. Oh my god, damn it! You were jumping ahead. I had to point out the. the your your opposite. nipple. I thought your nipple was after that. Nope. Your yes, nipple I... is after mother of dragons. Dragons, dragons, dragons. Yeah, you started talking about child of three. Mother, oh, you're right. It's like two mm. paragraphs later. My bad. Mm. All right, go ahead with your old withered nipple. That's it. That's it. You don't have anything yeah. to say about it. No, it's the, like the opposite of what she saw in the other room. All right. So, mother of dragons, child. Wait, right? Mother of dragons, yeah, mother child of, dragons, of three. Child of three. Hello, Rhaegar's daughter. He just said there must be one more. Like, duh. To be fair, Ares had three kids. They had more, though, that didn't make it. So they didn't So he have... had three living children. No, Rayella gave birth, but the people, they died. So they You didn't. don't count that as having a child? It's the kid, well... You have a kid, and it dies a couple months later. You don't say that you had a child? They were months old? I don't know. But I oh, know. Well, you can't make up shit to justify your fucking theory and then be like, I don't know if this is true, actually. No, they did have other children, though. I know they had that Rayella had live births, and Ares thought that um, their servants were killing them or something. They were killing the kids. That's what I was asking. Yeah, but you they just lived? asked. They were live births. And then at some point they died. I think one of them made it to almost two years old. Okay. But there were other children is my point. Fair enough. So that's why she doesn't understand then. All right. So then after that is the three fires. Or do you have anything before the three fires? Um. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I don't have any analysis to it. But it does... She asked them... Or she says, I have come for the gift of truth, the long haul, the things I saw. Were they true visions or lies, past things or things to come? What do they mean? And all she gets in response, it says, shape of shadows, Mara's not yet made, drink from the cup of ice, drink from the cup of fire. The first part, I get it. Shapes of shadows. Not real. Mara's not yet made. Could be true, could be not. Um, the, the Feast of Corpses, the, um, the, the Westeros the one... Fair enough, shit's not true yet. Future visions. No idea what drink from the cup of ice, drink from the cup of fire means. N no fucking clue. I have nothing. No, I don't think anybody talked about that. All, like, I actually went and, and watched uh, a couple theory videos and read a couple things. No one talks about this. Well, then you should come up with something. Yeah, they're telling her to read the books. <laughs> I guess, because the book is called A Song of Ice and Fire, and they say, drink from the cup of ice, and you get where I'm going here? R plus L? No. Like, oh. They're telling her to read, read George R. Martin's book, because... Yes, I got that, but then after you kept saying it, because to, it was To read redundant. is to drink, yes, the I, cup is okay. the book. Okay, the cup is the book, and it's the song of ice and fire, yes. But if Liana's pussy is ice and Rhaegar's dick is fire. 
other way around, actually. She's ice. Liana would be ice. Uh, subversion. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> All right, so Three Heads has the dragon. Um, Mother of Dragons, Child of Storm. Three fires must you light. One for life, one for death, one to love. So three fires. I think one for life is to give life to the dragons. Do you agree? Yeah, that seems the most easy explanation. Okay, a fire for death? I don't think it's come yet. All right, and a fire for love? Don't think it's come yet. Okay, I, I think they have to happen in that order. Okay. Uh, along with each of the other three, the three mounts and the treasons. I think it's all chronological. Like, so we're... We're going to look for a giant bonfire that kills somebody important. Because Danny burns a fuck ton of people, but not important people. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you can't be like, oh, well, that slave or that asshole Harpy or whatever the fuck, the the Krasnys, right? The guy who sells her the Unsullied. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's meant to be the fire for death because Krasnys isn't important. No, yeah. So I think the fires haven't happened yet. Okay. So then after that one is the mounts. Three mounts must you ride. One to bed, one to dread, and one to love. So I automatically associated Drogo with mount because horse. But if you're saying they need to happen in order, so unless she finds another love, like because she truly loved Drogo. And I'm thinking of it sexually, so. I'm thinking literally, like. Three mounts, like three vehicles, like things to transport her from. All right. So, so what? What would she get on for a bed? Like, like what does that mean? It's her her silver, the silver horse that Drogo gave her, because it took her to to bed. Drogo, like that was an important mount for her in her oh. beginning. Oh. Okay, I get what you're saying. I get, the okay. mount to dread is Drogon, to- because he's. The Black Dread Reborn, more or less. Um, and I think this is going to take her to become feared, like taken seriously, and not just a, a child, a girl, unlearned in the ways of war, or whatever the fuck she says later. And then the Mount's Love hasn't happened yet, but okay. it's going to take her to... and. This isn't my entire idea. Like I, I read a couple of things and saw a couple of videos, so I can't remember which one this came from. But this is what's going to take her to the fire to love. So three mounts she must ride, one to love. I think this mount is going to take her to the fire she has to light to love. And then the treason for love is the same situation? Possibly. All right, so then the next part is the three... Well, what do you think about the other two? You said Drogo, Drogon... I don't... The only one I can think of is Drogo, but like then putting it in the context of what you're saying, the mounts to get her to these things, that makes more sense. So to bed, okay. Because I don't think you can take him as entirely sexual, like you were saying. Because that's what I was thinking. Fuck, is she gonna like? She's gonna fuck somebody to bed. She's gonna fuck somebody to dread. Um, but that doesn't make any goddamn sense. His dar. She doesn't like him. But she fucks him in a bed. Talking about so, dread. She dreads fucking him. Right. But, like, she, okay, so 
the first one is three months you must write Tibet. She fucks Drogo, but you're saying it means Drogo because Tibet, right? Based off of your interpretation of the no, silver. no, 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 not not based on mine, because mine is about actual mounts, things, and vehicles she has to to climb on top of to transport her. I but had if the three mounts means three sex partners to ride or whatever. The rest don't make sense. The bed makes sense, but not dread and like dread doesn't fit there. Yeah, that's why I said the only thing I could think of was Drogo, but I didn't know how to make it work with this. But taking it in your context, it makes sense. I don't right. agree on your part with Drogon. I think Dread could be Drogon, but I think it would be um, Drogon taking her out to the Dothraki Sea because then she's scared that she's going to have to go back to the to Vase Dothraki with the crones. Which is what she's been trying to get away from this entire time. So, the dread means Drogon to take her away? If that's how it's supposed to be interpreted, that the mounts are the vehicle to take her to something, I think that that's what it, that's what it would be. It would be for him taking her to the Dothraki Sea at the end of uh, Dance. Hmm. Okay, I see what you're saying. The love one, I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I don't think it happened yet. All right. So then treasons. Three, tre- Three treasons will you know. Once for blood, once for gold, and once for love. So blood treason, is that her usurping Viserys? I don't think so. She didn't usurp Viserys. Could have sworn you were on that train. That Viserys didn't deserve it. Oh, no. Viserys definitely deserved what he got. Okay. So then, what what do you think the treasons are? Uh, do, well, do you want to go ahead and say your golden love? Gold I had is Jorah. Love, I, I'm assuming at some point she's going to fall in love and something's going to... I don't think she loves Dario, does she? I think she just enjoys fucking him. Uh, I mean, it's. I think she thinks she does, but it's not like she did with Drogo. Because he could also be a treason for gold because he's a sellsword, could easily be bought, you know? Yeah. But if we're going through your line of thought that these are chronological, they all end in love. So to me, it, it would make sense that she's going to fall in love with someone. They're going to betray her, so then she lights them on fire. So why do you think gold means Jorah? Because he was selling her out. But not for gold. You're right, for a pardon. Yeah, so he could go back home. And then, like, the third step away from that is, well, he was selling her out so for a pardon, so he could go home. And in his home, he would make money in Bear Island for gold. So it kind of falls apart for me. You know what I'm saying? Bear Island doesn't really have any money. Right, and it has no fucking use for gold. But that... Okay, you've completely debunked me then because I was just thinking of it as he was getting paid to spy on her. I forgot that it was for a pardon and not for actual, like, payment. Payment. Right. Um, So I think the treason for blood is Illyrio. He... Once she comes and um, clashes, I guess, with Aegon, 
um, that Illyrio will support Aegon instead of her, and he will betray her for young Griff. Which is his because blood. Young Griff is his son or niece or, or nephew or something. Not his niece. His niece. Boy. <laughs> <clears throat> young Griff is some sort of blood relative to Illyrio. Son, nephew, grandson, who knows. Um, but I think that's what the treason for blood is. So you don't and think any was... of these have happened yet? Not for the treasons, no. Okay. Because um, that would be a, a treason that definitely stands out. Some sellsword betraying her wouldn't stand out. But she's um, put so much trust into Dario. Right, but I don't think that it it lines up. And then, then that's just assuming that Dario's going to betray her anyway. Which he, at least, you know, we see him through her. And he's awfully trying hard to convince her. But maybe he's telling the truth. I think there might even be thoughts that she has that he could turn on her. Now that I think about it. Maybe, but she, I mean, that kind of gets that slight paranoia that I was talking about earlier. Like, it's not consuming her, but she is looking over her shoulder slightly at, at all kinds of people. I don't think Ben Plum fits this either. Um, and that's moving on to gold. So the treason for gold, I think, is going to be Tyrion. Um, I think Tyrion betrays her. Like, I, well, this assumes that Tyrion comes and quote unquote sides with Danny after um, the Battle of Marine. And I think this is going to have something to do with her promising him Castle Rock or something like that, and then them diverging along the way somewhere, and it'll be over. Casterly Rock. So either Tyrion or some other Lannister, whether it's it's Jaime or whatever. But the original thing I read posed an argument for Tyrion. And then there was a... Oh, this is later on. Kind of jumping ahead, but we'll call back to it. Um, she sees a white lion running through the grass, right? Yeah. Towards the end. And the logical thing is the Harakar yeah. that Drogo kills for her. Um, but other, I've, I saw on the internet that someone compared it to Jamie Lannister, him being a lion as a Lannister, but also a Kingsguard and all white, white so lion. an all white lion would okay. be Jamie Lannister. Doesn't quite fit with the way everything else in the vision was, or the, the rapid visions were coming, so I don't think it that's actually true, but it's interesting. I feel and like I I've read just, that before. I just saw it for the first time last week when I wrote this. But I think the betrayals for gold is something to do with Casterly Rock. I could see it being Tyrion. Um, have and this read... also, too, like if the show has any kind of alignment here with Tyrion and Danny coming together. That's where I was going. Have you read any of the eight leaks? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, all right, so after... Are you, you going to talk about them? No. Okay, cool. I wouldn't, that would just be me being an asshole. Well, yeah, I know. Like that's why I was gonna warn people who are listening who don't want to hear them. I haven't. Like, I haven't. So even actually, read them. I haven't uh, even read them fully. I've just read bits and pieces on Reddit that come up. I don't want to really read them. Um, anyways, moving on. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like just to tack onto that with the. If the show is any sort of a hit, the end of season seven, Tyrion is staring at the door listening to them fuck, and it's like, is Tyrion going to do something now? So, who knows? Oh my um, god, do you think there's going to be boat sex in the book? 
Oh god, I hope so. Because it'll be We'd so graphic. Of, it'll be so graphic. We had all this talk of perfect tits and the fat pink masks and young girls going down and making people melt. It's Danny with her lesbian scenes. It's just there's gonna be so much sex. It's gonna be awesome. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um. Next do you have is for gold or love. No, I was gonna go on to the next thing. Oh, do you have? Sorry, do you have love? Yes. So you said she's gonna fall in love with someone and they're gonna betray her. Yes. I think she's gonna betray herself. Well, not I think, but the theory thing that I read that I'm like, oh, that looks good, and I'm claiming it for my own now. <laughs> um, she betrays her own vision, right? She gets to a point where she's like single-minded. She's taking over Westeros or whatever. Um, but we'll just call him John, some made-up character, a generic name, I guess, John. Um, and John convinces her to abandon her old plan, which probably leads to her mount to ride to love, which then leads her to the fire she has to light for love. They kind of tie it all together really in a, a nice way with all speculations and like, don't know what it is, but this could lead to this, which I don't know what it is, but it She's makes sense. She's gonna sacrifice it. herself as Nisa Nisa. Yeah, it, it it drew up the the Nisa Nisa parallels, and I was like, nah, nah, don't like it. I guess it's worth mentioning, so I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't mention the whole part of it. But I don't like that part. But yeah, she would betray herself for love, and then something would mount her or she would mount something to bring her to it and then the fire she would light would sacrifice herself as the Nissa Nissa figure to John's Azora High. Again, not John Snow, just J O H N, John Doe. And then that would complete the whole thing. I keep looking back and forth because you're here, but my I know, I know. <laughs> I'm used to it by now. It's like I'm looking at two different people. Yeah, guys? <laughs> guys? What do you think? Okay. So that's what that's what I think the threes the, the three prophecies are. Okay. And I think I'm right. <laughs> All right. So then after the treason, she says, I don't understand. And then they <laughs> kind of make fun of her. She said, oh, help her. Show her. And then everything starts coming at her flying at once. I so... don't think they were mocking at all. Really? Yeah. I think that was her interpretation of it. And I don't think they were mocking her. I think there's actual stuff to pull out from this next paragraph that makes a fuck ton of sense. Oh, no, yeah, I agree, but I, I feel like them saying that was them being assholes. I think the stuff they showed her was legit stuff, but I think that they were just making fun of her. I don't see how they would make fun of her and then be like, oh, help her. Here's a fuck ton of help. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right. Okay, so, all right, first one, Viserys's gold crown. Anything to talk about it? Yes, but I think we have to talk about them in threes. Okay? So, before we read them out, there's there's three three things she sees, and then they, they say a title for her, right? So, this first one, uh, there's three of them, and then it says, Mother of Dragons, Daughter of Death. So, these three refer to this Daughter of Death kind of um, theme or whatever. It says, Viserys, uh, she sees Viserys screamed as the molten gold ran down his cheeks and filled his mouth. A tall lord with copper skin and silver gold hair stood beneath the banner of a fiery stallion, a burning city behind him. Rubies flew like drops of blood from the chest of a dying prince. And he murmured a woman's name. 
and then they call her the daughter of death. And that right. death was Rhaegar's. So, RLD, again. Kind of. What do you mean, kind of? So, the daughter of death isn't referring to just that last one. It's talking about Danny is now living a legacy of death. Her and... brother's death, her son's death, her father's death. Right, and she's living out through their legacy. Like, what she's doing now is just going through what, what they would have done. Um, Tyrion had a quote, some fucking book, I don't know. But he's like, we dance at the strings of our fathers before us and yes. our fathers before them. And our children, yes. Yeah, and our children will follow on after us. Which I think is what this is talking about. The uh, the the write-up that I saw was saying that it was a, a major theme to a Song of Ice and Fire, and I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, clearly it is how the children carry on what their dads did and yes, everything else Yes, the grudges, like the missions, everything, it continues. Exactly, and, and they portrayed these three in that same sort of light. So Viserys' death, um, she immediately, like, directly picks up after Viserys and then takes on his ambitions as her own. Okay. She sees that future vision of Rago, which is what I was saying earlier. She goes through to perform herself because Rago's dead now. He's not going to do it, so she has to do it. And then in the end, it comes around to Rhaegar, who we think is her dad, but him dying in a fight, and now she has to eventually pick up where he left off and then go through that. So she is the daughter of death. What is she picking up of Rhaegar's? The, the, the unification of Westeros. Okay. The Song of Ice and Fire. The prince that was promised. Princess, because Azora High or sure. whatever is not gender specific or some shit. Whatever. Yeah. Gender neutral Valyrian word. It's very whatever. it's very unclear. It's not actually written in the text because George R. R. Martin is not good enough to write languages like Tolkien. What's uh what's your next one? Oh, the next one is Stannis. So Daughter of Death. The next, again, the next three. All sets of three. Well, would you like to read it then, since you're all about the three? Sure, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, once we get through here, we'll see if you actually agree with And then with Slayer this. of Lies, yes. Mother Dragon Slayer of Lies. And Slayer of Lies refers to, glowing like a, a sunset, a red sword was raised in the hand of a blue-eyed king who cast no shadow. A cloth dragon swayed on poles amidst a cheering crowd. From a smoking tower, a great stone beast took wing, breathing shadow fire. Mother Dragon Slayer flies. So these are the the lies, the the false prophets that Danny has to not necessarily kill, but to expose, more or less, right? So Stannis is not Azora High. Right. Stannis is being prophesied by Melisandre that he is Azora High, and we know he's not. And then because he's got a fake light bringer. Aegon is not Aegon. Right. Aegon is referring to the cloth dragon, the fake dragon. Uh, the crowd cheering for him so the people are going to believe that he's real, but she's going to expose that for him not being real. All right, and you got me on the stone beast. I don't I don't know what that is. They said that you're on, but I was like, oh, I don't fucking... Um, and they, the, the article, the essay, justified it saying Euron and his dragon binder horn is going to uh, take a dragon. And they were using that the great stone beast took wing, so he took... 
wings, so he took a dragon. From the, um, the from a smoking tower, he referred to it as the high tower, where Euron is currently heading yeah. off to. Okay. Uh, breathing Shadowfire. Don't know. Um, I don't like it. And it was yeah no this is the one that was just like I don't I don't know and the, the the lie that she would quote slay here is Euron being king of the apocalypse and she would go there and defeat him and unseat that and prove that he's not the new ruler of the world. But I want him to do that. He's a horrible person. He but is yeah, a horrible so, person, but he's so entertaining. That as part fuck. I, I just I don't see how that's related to Euron. Uh, urine. Whoa, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> the um, another translation of it is Melisandre, her claiming that she would wake the stone dragons of Dragonstone. See, that's where the only thing I could think of was that it would be the stone dragons. But at the same time, I associate the red sword, blue eyed king, also with Melisandre, like a, mm-hmm. a two for one special sort of deal. Okay. So I don't know why Mel would come up with both. And um, it also calls back the 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 thing that Summer War Bran Bran Warg Summer sees in Winterfell whenever they run away. The chain beast. Right, yeah. the great thing that took off. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. No fucking clue what that means, but it seems like it's very similar to what what Daenerys she's seeing here. Sees here. Yes. So that part I have no idea. But the other two, the cloth dragon, referring to. Aegon, the Red Sword, Blue Red King, Stannis. The thing about Stannis, the, the Stannis thing, though, I wondered if it wasn't Stannis and actually meant to be an other, or if it meant to show that Stannis would be an other. The whole blue-eyed king part. Doesn't he have blue eyes? He does have blue eyes. But the others also have blue eyes. And it just kind of jumped out. I was like, oh, what about this, though? The Do whole the no shadow red sword. Yes, they have blue eyes. Are you serious? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm dead positive. <laughs> the whites have blue eyes. Are we ever told specifically that the others have blue eyes? Pretty sure. Like 98.9999 repeating positive that okay. the others have blue eyes. Okay. Um, But a lot of it just points to standards by himself. With the He, he cast no shadow. He had a red sword. Blah, blah, blah. So probably not an other reference, but I was like, ooh, what if, though? I was jumping into... I was playing up the theories. Okay, go with the Bride of Fire 3. Bride of Fire. So this the, the article was admittedly a bit shaky here because it was... This was written when George R. R. Martin had that five-year gap plan in place. Right. Yeah. Well, this was yeah. this was written yeah. when he thought it was going to be three books. Right. Oh no, no, no. This was st- like at this point he jumped from the three book thing. Game of Thrones, I think, is when he was when like, he "Oh fuck, I got too much to. shit." Okay. Right. Um. So the Bride of Fire is referring to the three people that she was supposed to officially marry, and his dar was not supposed to be a thing here. Hmm. So, okay. Her silver was trotting through the grass to a darkling stream beneath a sea of stars. A corpse stood at the prow of a ship, eyes bright in his dead face, gray lips smiling sadly. 
The blue flower grew from a chink in a wall of ice, filling the air with sweetness. Mother Dragon's Pride of Fire. So the three people that Daenerys was initially intended to betroth and or marry. Canceling out his dark, canceling out Quentin. Okay? Okay. Or Silver trotting through the grass, blah, blah, blah. That's Easy. Drogo. Yeah. Easy. This next one is a bit interesting. A corpse stood at the prow of a ship, eyes bright in his dead face, gray lips smiling sadly. And this is supposed to represent Greyjoy. Okay? Okay. So, corpse stood at the prow of a ship. That's kind of already signifying Euron a little bit, don't you think? I have it as Aaron, but go ahead. Fair enough. Um, eyes bright in his dead face. I still think that kind of references Euron and his shining blood eye, right? And then the gray joy part that kind of sold it for me was the gray lips smiling sadly. So it's gray and then smiling, meaning joy, right? Yeah. So that like that's where they pulled the gray joy from, and then the sad. So whether or not it means Euron or Victorian, it's some sort of Greyjoy envoy sent to initiate this betrothal to her being to to her to a Greyjoy. If that if that is what these mean, is it supposed to be the people that she's supposed to marry? Then yes, I agree, it's Victorian. But prior to that, I had always just assumed it was Aaron, based off of the Forsaken. Because he's tied to Euron's ship at the end of the Forsaken. Right, but he's, his eyes aren't really bright. He's not smiling. He's not sad. He's terrified. He's not standing at the prow of a ship. He's strapped to it. So where Aaron is at the front of a ship, I think that's where the similarities Fine. end. Fine. Fine. But I, I, the only other thing I could think of was it meaning John Connington coming from SS to the Stormlands. He's a corpse because he's infected with the Grey Plague. Grayscale, yes. comes back with the, the Grey Lips smiling sadly. His eyes are bright because he's determined now. He has his vision, like his things are in motion. Okay. But it's where those might apply to John Connington, it doesn't fit with the rest of the other two. You know what I'm saying? And it yeah. doesn't fit with his Bride of Fire thing. Unless it's somehow supposed to insinuate him representing uh, Young Aegon. Griff. Mm-hmm. But again, Young Griff was mentioned as a part of the Slayer of Lies, if that part is correct. So Greyjoy is, I think, the next best argument. I, I think it's a Greyjoy regardless. I, I don't think there's an argument for it to be anybody else. Right. And Victorian is currently sent in A Dance with Dragons to, or is it? Feast? Where he sent? Fuck it, whatever. Victoria is sent over to Slaver's Bay to bring back Daenerys to marry Euron. Yes. So, but Victoria wants her for himself. Right. Great joy. Uh, blue flower grew from a chink in a wall of ice, filling it with sweetness. Don't know, we'll just call this person John again. Does okay. that sound fair? Sure. Um, interesting point about the sweetness part, because I brought up the last time how sweet smells and taste and shit like that are lies written in to cover up more nasty shit mm-hmm. so I wonder if this is supposed to fit in with that kind of um, undertone okay. or if it actually is supposed to be just like oh he's nice well I, are blue roses associated with sweet smells it's a rose oh, I, I guess 
Well, they're the winter roses. <clears throat> I don't know. Again, I, clearly that's for someone named John. <laughs> and that rounds out the trifecta Bride of Fire. So, what do you think of that? Those three, or those, that section is divided into three that refer to Daughter of Death, Slayer of Lies, Bride of Fire. Does that make sense or no? Yes, it does make sense. Cool. Well, that was boring. I thought I'd have to fight you on it. No, it, it, it makes sense, like, to read it that way. I have never read it that way or read anything about it reading that way. Um, I didn't either, but someone else wrote about it. And I'm not plagiarizing it, but... Well, you're also not giving credit to the person who came up with it. Yeah. And some people look down on that very harshly. And that would require them to listen this far in. <laughs> Alright, so then after that is the house with the red door again. Then she sees Mary Ma's door bursting into flames. Um, and then she sees the man that they dra dragged behind the silver horse, the, the wine cellar. Um, and then she sees the crones at the Mother of Mountains. Um, and then after that, so all of those things have happened, right? Right. Yeah, it's okay. it's almost like a, a recap of Game of Thrones. And then after that, she sees 10,000 slaves, and that's where we get the Misa Misa from Astapor, right? Well, before then, she sees the crones kneel, right? Mm-hmm. Does that happen in a Game of Thrones? When she's eating the heart and they decide to name Rego the stallion that mounts the world. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. Because otherwise it would have to be when she gets to Vaistothrak and she somehow manages to take over. Then maybe they worship her. But then it's chronologically out of order and that bothers me. Because Misa yeah. Misa was before that. Yeah, no, that's that, that was my discrepancy with it all too. Is that if, if the crone's kneeling is supposed to be a future vision, it happens out of order. It's out of order. So I don't know. Okay, so Misa Misa, and then after that, Drogon basically wakes her up. Right. And they're eating her eyes and all of that. Fucking weird. But then they die, and it's all hunky-dory. And Drogon sets them on fire, and then when she finally gets out... Pyat Pri is doing this weird dance and tries to uh, get her with a knife, but Jogo and Ricaro, Ricaro, am I saying that right? Ricaro body slams him, and that's the end of that. Well, the sound of the whip is never so sweet. I think, yeah, well, I mean, that fits the pattern. And never was the sound so sweet because it was actually vicious. <laughs> Yeah, so that about wrapped it up. Okay, so it's called Fires, Mounts, and Treasons, colon, Unraveling the Undying. And it was written a year ago by Yezen on the Internet, all one word, Y-E-Z-E-N-O-N-T-H-E, -E -E, Internet. Yezen on the Internet. It's a WordPress. And uh, okay. we'll see if I can't copy and link this. Uh, whenever we post it on our YouTube or something. But yeah, he has some really good ideas. Um, I'll still post this so people can kind of read it in an actual 
coherent form instead of trying to decipher all the nonsense and bullshit that I was talking about. But it was uh, very convincing stuff, and if you made it this far and you want to get more into it, that'll be... I'll post that somewhere. I'll make it readily available. Okay. So... Is Danny 5 the last Danny chapter of Clash of Kings? I believe it I, is. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we got one more Danny chapter coming up. And then after that, we don't know what we're doing yet. John? Or Bran. One What's of his face? What's his face pick John, right? I thought he didn't pick one yet. Fuck, I don't know. We got to go back through the chat log. I was angling for him to pick John. I don't remember. I don't know why, but... I didn't want to do first. <laughs> okay, so we're doing one of the Stark males next. Uh, he has... He, he's he's fuck, How is he not a Stark? <laughs> Who are his parents? If it's Ned. Rhaegar and Lyanna, Lyanna is a Stark. If it's Ned and Ashara, Ned he's, is a Stark. If it's Brandon and Ashara, it's... Fuck you! It's Catelyn and Edmure. And that's why she hates him, because he's a product of incest. And that's why he has bright red hair. I mean, the two recessive genes canceled out. George R. R. is big on writing genetics. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, tune in next week to hear us close out Danny and our recap of her arc in A Clash of Kings, which is basically this episode. <laughs> And then we'll move on to someone probably more interesting because I don't know how anything can be as boring as Daenerys Karth arc. But I know Arya has some fun stuff, Tyrion has some fun stuff, and Jon does some shit. Bran loses. And Sansa just panics for a whole book. Sansa and Tyrion are going to be the last two we do. Right. Tyrion definitely will be the last um, Bran has Theon in it though so all you Theon fans will enjoy that and yeah that's that's pretty much it so subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, like, comment, let us know your uh, ideas on the visions of the Undying and uh, join our Facebook group uh, searching for it by A Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones A-S-O-I-F slash G-O-T oh right it's the abbreviations so the abbreviations, uh, books, last show, discussions and theories on Facebook. And uh, let us know if you came to the group from us. It'll be, I don't know what it will do for us. <laughs> but yeah, it's, a, it's a, a good community. Lots of ideas around. You can make friends. You can fight with people. It'll be great. So tune in to us next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys.